today's reading is um, from John chapter 14, verses 15 to 27, read today in a husky baritone. Um, If you're in the Church Bible, that's page 1082. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by me and by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for those amazing promises that you promised your followers that we would not be orphans, that we would not be alone, that you would be with us forever, and that you would guide us and remind us and teach us And we ask again, Father, for this morning that you would do that for us. For those of us who are feeling distant from you or alone in this world, we pray, Father, that you might come alongside us by your Spirit. For those of us who need reminding of who we are in you, we pray that you would remind us and teach us. For those of us who are looking for guidance today, May we hear your voice speaking to us. Father, we simply pray, come Holy Spirit and speak to us this morning. Speak into our hearts, speak into our minds, speak into our souls. What you know we need to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week, I was able to tick off one of the items on my imaginary bucket list. Um, I think I mentioned last week in the service that Kathy and I were privileged last week to be invited to a lunch at uh, the House of Lords. It was for some church leaders who had led uh, a church 35 years ago when Kathy was an undergraduate, and she was part of the beginning of that church in Birmingham. And for this couple, uh, Nick and Lois Cuthbert, it was their golden wedding anniversary, and uh, a friend who's a member of the House of Lords had offered to host a lunch for them. 
and they decided to invite 40 of us who have ended up in various um, positions of leadership in the church, in business, in charities, for lunch uh, last Friday. And it was a remarkable room. There were about, we reckon, at least 15 ordained Anglican clergy people. Um, there was a bishop, there was a professor, uh, there was the guy who heads up the Red Cross, uh, immediate response uh, around the world. It was just an amazing room to be part of. And it was lovely because people went round and told stories about Nick and Lois and basically said all the things that are going to be said at Nick and Lois's funeral, they were said face to face because they were actually there in the room. But once we'd had the lunch, that's when we got my bucket list item. And it was just amazing. We had a 90-minute tour of the Palace of Westminster and we went everywhere. We started off where the Queen arrives for the opening of Parliament with the steps that have been measured in such a way that Queen Victoria didn't have to lift up her dress. The whole thing was engineered like that. We went into the robing room where the monarch gets ready for the, uh, the opening of Parliament. We followed her route uh, through another huge chamber into the House of Lords chamber. We then went down that long corridor that's in between the House of Lords and the House of Commons. We went through the lobby we saw the, 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 the lobby outside the commons where they've got these stained glass windows to the four saints of uh, the different nations. There's Wales and there's England and there's Ireland with St. Patrick and there's St. Andrew for Scotland over the entrance to the bar. And uh, we, we went into the commons chamber itself. We went into the voting lobby. Uh, we went and stood at the dispatch box and I was able to pray. I won't tell you where I was, on which side of the dispatch box and who I was praying for but we were able to pray in the House of Commons and that made a huge difference this week and um, it is an amazing time and the thing that made the difference because the tour was only supposed to last half an hour was that our guide was one of the doorkeepers of the House of Lords and normally they don't do tours but the member of the House of Lords who was actually in the church and a student with Kathy, um, she'd arranged for this guy to come and give us a tour. And fairly early on in the tour, we realized how we could keep this tour going. We just asked him a question. And if, because he, he doesn't do tours, but he's worked there for about 30 years. So you just asked him a question. <laughs> All this stuff came out that he knew about the background and the history, and it was just, and I love history because I used to do history. That was my first degree, well, my only degree. Um, and it was just an amazing time for 90 minutes. And it went on and on, and he gave us all this detail. And it was the, the thing that made the difference was having a good guide. Now, that's the aspect of the person of the Holy Spirit that we're looking at today. That the Holy Spirit is given to Christ followers to be both a comfort and a guide. That we're not left directionless to do the best we can. But Jesus here in the, the last night as he spends this time uh, just after the Passover meal with his followers in the upper room in what are called these farewell discourses from John chapter 14 through to John chapter 17, he begins to teach them about the Holy Spirit. Now it's important to say this about the Holy Spirit. For all our uh, six, seven, eight week sermon series about the Holy Spirit, we are talking about God here. 
may seem a bit sort of mind-blowingly obvious for a church, but we're talking about God. And therefore, what we understand of God will, by definition, be limited. And all that we have in the Bible are pictures, are metaphors, are descriptions of particular facets of the character of God. We will never understand God. And even our language is limited as to how we can understand our understanding of him. Even our creeds are our best expressions designed by the early church over a hundred years in the late fourth century to try and begin to explain who God is. So as week by week we go through this series, all we're trying to do is pick out particular facets of the character of God and in particular facets of how the Holy Spirit works in our lives and the world and the church, who the Holy Spirit is and how he operates. But our words, our understanding, etc., will be limited. But one of the descriptions that we have that is used to describe the work and the person of the Holy Spirit is this Greek word parakletos. We looked at it last week when Paul was preaching on John chapter 16. And now we go back, as it were, two chapters to the beginning of John chapter 14, where Jesus introduces this idea of the parakletos. It's a Greek word to describe the Holy Spirit. Now, no other New Testament writer uses this term to describe the Holy Spirit. John is the only person in his gospel and in his letters to describe the Holy Spirit in this way. But he describes the Holy Spirit in this way five times in John chapters 14 through to 17. But in English, it's really difficult to try and capture the essence of what this word means. So if you look in different versions of the Bible, you'll find that it's translated with different English words. So we've already heard about the comforter that Zach described the Holy Spirit as. So some versions will describe the parakletos, the Holy Spirit, as a comforter or a counselor or a helper or an intercessor or a preacher or a prosecutor or a defense counsel. There are all different ways in which people have tried to explain something of what this word actually means. Literally, the one who comes alongside. There's a story told of a a tribe in Cameroon in Africa, Central Africa. It's called the Kare tribe. And uh, Wycliffe Bible translators arrived there several decades ago and began to try and translate the Bible into the Kare language, the local language. And they, they eventually plumped for a particular word, for this word parakletos, but they couldn't understand where it had come from. And then one day they, they heard this story. They'd come across a group of porters, and there were a group of porters from the Kare tribe, and then they noticed in this line of porters that there was one guy at the end who was carrying nothing and they said to the rest of the the porters who's this guy is he the chief is he just lazy who is he and the, the porters all laughed and they said no 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 you need to understand this is what happens we begin our journey and we're carrying our loads and then this guy He's the one who takes over when people get tired. 
He's the one, and this is the phrase they used, he's the one who falls down beside us when we can't go on, and he carries our load. And the Wycliffe Bible translators went, that's the word. That's the word to describe the paracletos, the one who literally falls down beside us, and when we can't go on, he's the one who picks up our load and carries it. The one who comes alongside us, or the carry language, the one who literally falls down beside us. And in these verses um, that were read for us by Husky Naomi a few uh, moments ago, Jesus begins to explain to his followers what is about to happen. He knows what's about to happen. He knows that he's about to be uh, arrested. He knows that he's about to be uh, betrayed. He knows that he's about to be put on trial. He knows that he's about to be beaten. He knows that the next day he's going to be put to death on a Roman cross. And therefore, in what are some of the last words that Jesus speaks to his followers, he tries to reassure them that he's not going to leave them alone. And that's where this idea of the advocate comes. Jesus says in chapter 14 and verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. Now in Scotland, we're fortunate because we have a a better understanding of what the word advocate means because we have them in our legal system. In England, they're called barristers. They're not called advocates. But in Scotland, we have advocates. These are the people who sit at the front underneath the judges. And they're the people who are either for the defense or the prosecution. They present the evidence. So that's another insight into the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. In the same way that Jesus intercedes for us, prays for us, one of the sort of means that the Holy Spirit does what he does is he presents our case to God the Father. If you like, he's God's legal aid to us. He's there on our side presenting our case before God. And what Jesus says is this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Now the Greek word that's translated there is the word alos, There are two words in the New Testament Greek language. And it's striking that that John chooses this one, not the other one. Because this word, alos, means something particular. This word means, I will send you another in the sense of, I will ask the Father to send someone who is identical. So the other word for another means different. This word means the same. So Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will send to you somebody who will come alongside you who is exactly the same as me, who in person and in character and in activity and in virtue is exactly the same as I am. So just as Jesus came from the Father into the world as a gift to humanity, so will the Holy Spirit be given to Christ's followers. Just as the Father sent his Son into the world to be his representative, so the paraclete 
will be sent into the world to be the representative of the Father in the world. Just as Jesus had been with the disciples and taught them and guided them, so, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, will be with you in the same way that Jesus was with them to guide them and to teach them into the future. But, Jesus says in verse 16, he will be with you forever. He's not going to leave you. That's why in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is sometimes referred to as the Spirit of Jesus, because the two are interchangeable. You know, last week when Paul was trying to explain the Trinity, he was, he was going through this sort of regime of the Father sent the Son, who sent the Spirit, who, and, and when, it was very energetic, Paul, it was remarkable to watch, it was like, well, just incredible, um, trying to explain the Trinity but that, that is the essence of, of what's happening here. The Father sends the Son, and then the Spirit proceeds from the Father through the Son. And just as the Son was sent by the Father, so now the Spirit is sent by the Father and the Son into the followers of Jesus Christ, which is his primary agent to display his work. The Spirit also works in the world, but the primary way in which God works is through his church through his followers, through you and me. And maybe that helps some of us who have had maybe a bad experience to do with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you were prayed for in a certain way, in a certain time, at a certain meeting, that has left you feeling suspicious, fearful, or cautious about the work of the Holy Spirit. I become a Christian when I was 17, and after about a year, a guy prayed for me uh, at the youth group, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit, had a new experience of God. But for the next 18 months, I was put off the person of the Holy Spirit because every week this guy would come to me and say, do you speak in tongues yet? And I would say, no. And that put me off the person and the work of the Holy Spirit for about two years. Some people get a bit freaked out when we talk about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. They go, oh, that's a bit odd. Jesus they can cope with, but the Holy Spirit just seems a bit, hmm, because they've been to a weird experience or a weird meeting where they were told they had to do certain things. And if they didn't do certain things, then that was a sign that they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the same as the person of Jesus. The Holy Spirit will never ask you to do something that Jesus wouldn't ask you to do. When the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, it's Jesus speaking to you. Because they are the same, Jesus says, another, i.e. the one who is identical to me. The Holy Spirit is the same as the person and character of Jesus because they are intrinsically the same, even though they're different people, persons of the Trinity. And the Spirit universalizes the presence of Jesus. Jesus says in verse 16, He will be with you forever. He's there alongside us. But never so far that he cannot catch us. 
Secondly, Jesus says the Spirit will enable Jesus' followers to know him as Father. It's picked up later on by the Apostle Paul in Romans 8. But we know that we're God's children because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. He knows that in the next few hours, in the next few days, his followers are going to feel deserted. They're going to feel bereft. They're going to feel as though they, well, they are bereaved. They'll feel abandoned. They'll feel lost. They'll feel confused. They will feel like orphans. I'll never forget 10 years ago when my dad died just six months after the death of my mum, my sister, who's five years older than me, turning to me and said, well, that's it. We're orphans now. That's how she felt. With the death of both of our parents, she felt like an orphan. I didn't have that experience, but that was her experience. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans because I will ask the Father and he will send the Holy Spirit and you will know that you're God's children because the Holy Spirit lives inside you. Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You can't actually be a Christian without the Holy Spirit living inside you. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives inside you. Now, you may wonder, you may discuss to what degree are you filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a different question. But you cannot be a Christian without the Holy Spirit living inside you. Thirdly, the Spirit, Jesus says, enables his followers to obey him to do what Jesus wants him to do. We need the person and the power of Jesus living in us because if we are the family of God, then there will be a family likeness. That's a picture taken of our family a couple of years ago. Now, if you look at our kids, there is no doubt as to whose kids they are because of the eyebrows. (laughs) There is a family likeness. We even managed to recruit a daughter-in-law who had very similar eyebrows. It was a qualification to marry Josh. There is a family likeness. When you look at our kids, there is no doubt whose kids they are. And it should be the same with the family of God. That when people look at us, they can see there is a family likeness. That we are God's children. That we do what God wants us to do. That exactly the things that Jesus did, he told us to do. And what Jesus told us to do, we do. And that's why Paul speaks about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 3, i.e. the character of Jesus. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all being worked out in your life and in my life. The fruit of the Spirit, the character of Jesus being worked out formed in each of our lives. We cannot live the lives that God wants us to live without the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. That's moralism. We cannot do it. But the genius of the Christian faith is that God says, I don't want you to do it on your own, but I will put my power in you. 
You will be enabled to do the things that I am telling you to do because my power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, is at work in you. So we're able to do the things that God wants us to do because the very person of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is at work in us if we're a follower of Jesus Christ. And then fourthly and finally, Jesus says that the Spirit will teach and remind his followers, verses 21 to 26, that in the days and the weeks and the months and the years to come, it would be the Holy Spirit who would remind the followers of Jesus what Jesus had said. And the same applies today. So so God reminds and teaches the church through the gifts of preaching and teaching and prophecy. But with prophecy, God will never contradict what he said before. God will never contradict through a prophetic word what he said in the Bible. And if you hear somebody say something that contradicts the Bible in a prophetic sort of way, alarm bells should ring. The most obvious example I came across is when I was a student, and I went to a university um, called Hull, and uh, Christian Union just went through a time of revival um, during those three or four years. And uh, it grew from about 110 to well over 250 people. And we had just an amazing work of the Holy Spirit that happened while we were there in Hull. It must have been the Holy Spirit because it was Hull. But we out Toronto, Toronto, at least, well, 10, 20 years before Toronto, we had people falling backwards, uh, sideways. Anyway, they just went all over the place. And on one particular occasion in a CU meeting, somebody got a prophetic word. But they, they weren't expressing it in the right way. And basically, they were just telling us off. And my mate Toby was leading the meeting as uh, this guy Duncan was, was going for it. We learned later that the speaker who'd come up from London was within 10 seconds of walking out because he was so uncomfortable with what was happening. Thankfully, 10 seconds before he got up and walked out, Toby just simply said, Duncan, that's enough, and stopped it. And Duncan just sat down. But the Holy Spirit wants to speak. The Holy Spirit still does speak through preaching, through teaching, and through the gift of prophecy. But it can throw people. It can seem a bit different. It can seem a bit difficult to explain, sometimes because, if we're honest, of the culture in which the church in the UK have surrounded the person and the work of the Holy Spirit with. I think I mentioned before that about 11 years ago now, I took Josh, our eldest, to Clan Gathering, which was the sort of Scottish version of Christian Conference New Wine at St. Andrews. And it was Josh's first real experience of more uh, demonstrably charismatic worship. And uh, people were dancing, people had flags. I knew it was my son because he turned to me after about 10 seconds and went, blooming flags. Um, didn't use the word blooming. Um, and he, he just felt more and more uncomfortable. But we went through the day, and uh, on the way home, we were driving home, and we, we got to the outskirts of Edinburgh, and we had been talking about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. 
And I'll never forget Josh turning to me and, and saying, yeah, I don't think I need him. And I said, sorry? He said, I don't, I'm Jesus, I'm okay with. I can cope with Jesus, this is 15-year-old Josh, but the Holy Spirit, nah, I don't think I'll bother with him. And I said, Josh, it doesn't work like that. It sort of comes as a package deal, really, that if you, if you know Jesus, if you love Jesus, then the Holy Spirit is in you, and he wants to do things in your character. He wants to change you, and he wants to work in you to enable you to become the person that God wants you to be. Josh went, nah, I don't think so. A few years went by, and Josh went off to university and went to another church, and experience the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in a new way. And that's why in a few weeks' time, Josh will kneel before the Bishop of London, and as he's ordained deacon alongside Freya, his wife, the Bishop of London will say these words. Send down the Holy Spirit on your servant Josh for the office and work of a deacon in your church. I think now Josh has actually given in to the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And he recognizes, partly because of his wife, who's from a Pentecostal background, that he needs more of the Holy Spirit. And he certainly will need more of the Holy Spirit in the work that he's about to do. I need more of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit if I'm going to do the things that God wants me to do. You need more of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life if you are going to be the person that God wants you to be and to do the things that God wants you to do. For many years, I used this particular illustration of the Bayer Tapestry. And uh, I found out two or three years ago that I got it wrong. Because there's this picture in the Bayer Tapestry right in the middle, uh, the tapestry that was commissioned uh, just after the Battle of Hastings in 1066. And uh, this bit uh, came up, and it says, Bishop Odo comforts his troops. And uh, I got it wrong because I thought it was William the Conqueror who was comforting his troops. It isn't actually William the Conqueror, because what the Latin actually says is Bishop Odo comforts his troops. If you've ever wondered what bishops are there for, this is a bishop in the middle, and he's raising a club over his head because bishops shouldn't carry swords. Clubs? They're okay. But Bishop Odo was the Duke of Bayeux. He was the brother of William the Conqueror. And what is depicted here in the middle of the battle is Bishop Odo comforting, come fortis, that's the Latin, strengthening his troops. And he's strengthening his troops by hitting them over the head with a club. That may or may not be a helpful picture of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. But you see, sometimes when we think about the work of the Holy Spirit, actually we do him a disservice if we describe him as a comforter and think of him as a quilt. That is not the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. The person and the work of the Holy Spirit as comforter is the one who is there to strengthen us. As a counsellor, he's there not in a therapeutic way, but he's there in a legal way to present evidence on our behalf. 
but he is there to comfort us, to strengthen us, that we might do the things and be the people that God is calling us to do and be. As we prepare to respond, if you're able, would you please stand? I'm just going to invite you just to close your eyes where you're standing. And what do you need more of the Holy Spirit for this morning? Do you need the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to guide you? Perhaps you're facing a decision and you need guidance. Maybe you need more of the work and the person of the Spirit because you need some courage. You're feeling fearful. You're feeling afraid. Or you just feel simply worn out and exhausted. Maybe you need the Holy Spirit in a fresh way today so that the person of Jesus can be formed more fully in you. Maybe one of those characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit needs to be more evident in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Thank you that you are the same as Jesus, that you are the Spirit of Jesus, that you will never ask us to do something that Jesus would not ask us to do. You will never behave in a way that Jesus would never behave. And perhaps some of us, Lord, have neglected the person and the work of your spirit because we've been afraid. Because of cultural baggage that we've picked up from this or another church, a cultural expectation that have made us cautious about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. When it simply comes down to to Jesus being more fully formed in us. So Holy Spirit, would you come again into this building as you have come for hundreds of years. Thank you that that promise from Jesus, he will be with you forever, is still true. And we just invite you now to come. And as you come to bring your peace, 
to bring your love, to bring your joy, to bring your gentleness, to bring your goodness and faithfulness and self-control. That that family likeness might be seen in us because we're becoming more like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.